podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. Ronald Reagan famously once said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Americans are losing faith in the banking system, and at the same time, the U.S. government could soon be headed toward a centralized banking system. How scary is that? How do you protect yourself as the government gets more involved in your life? For me, owning gold is one way. Having gold that I can see and touch makes me feel protected. Having a portion of your retirement in precious metals is another way to feel protected. I don't own crypto, I don't own NFTs, and I don't buy meme stocks. I don't invest in things I don't understand. If you are like me and want to feel safe, it's time to call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. Again, that's www.oxfordgoldgroup.com. This week's episode of the FYP podcast is sponsored by Beer52. So, deadline day has come and gone, and did we discover that Palace's scouts had been traversing the world, finding the finest football talent out there and bringing it home? No, of course we didn't. But you know who does? Beer 52. They circumnavigate the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. Bring them home, package them up, and deliver them right to your door. And they have a special offer just for FYP listeners. This is the third time that Beer52 have sponsored our podcast. We've had great feedback so far, and just like Palace and Steve Koppel, we couldn't pass up the opportunity again when offered. And like before, Beer52 are offering FYP listeners 10 free beers. That's eight free beers they normally do, plus two just for FYP listeners. Visit beer52.com forward slash FYP, enter your details, and they will send you 10 free beers in the post. All you've got to do is pay the $4.95 postage, which is about the same that we paid for Vincente Guaita, although let's not talk about him this week. Each month, Beer52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, basically all the regions that Palace clearly don't have scouts in, and many more, but they are also passionate about the UK craft beers. Each month, they select eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. I mean, that's more time and effort than Roy puts into substitutions. Now, by taking up this offer, you are signing up to a monthly plan, but the beauty of Beer 52 is just like many Palace fans during that recent home game against Southampton, you can leave at any time. And unlike Roy's system, you can change yours at any time too. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan, it's that easy. And Beer 52 will chuck in a copy of the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which explains the themes in individual beers you'll receive, plus a snack thrown in. <laughs> I mean, who needs the Porsons? No, I'm seriously, Graham, please don't bar me out. I'm just kidding. So to get your 10 free beers, just go to beer52.com forward slash FYP. That's the word beer, then the, that's the word beer, then the number's 52.com. Right, on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Five for Plan podcast. It's going to be one of those again. No, no, it's partly because of Saturday and partly because Selzy's brought his new puppy and we don't want to scare him. Arnold's joined us. Yeah. Arnold, Arnold Roger Selzy's in the house. <laughs> Does he want to be on the pod? 
Uh, well, he, not, he probably not, talks more sense than the rest of us. Not judging by what he's doing. If I could do what he's doing at the moment, I wouldn't be on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, he might let me. And if we could do it in Romania, <laughs> that obviously might help as well. Uh, so it's pod 320. Uh, I'm Jim Daly, and joining me, Adam Sells. Good ha- afternoon. How are you? Oh, on top of the world. Well, no, I'm not on top no. of the world. Far from it. Uh, and Kevin Day. Hello there. How are you? Oh, I'm slightly worried by a succession of messages I just had from friends saying someone that, that, that he's Roy Hodgson's favourite to be next manager sacked. Oh dear. Oh. Well shall we look, look, but even before we do the admin, should we just get that out of the way? Yeah he's not gonna be he's sacked. He's not gonna be sacked. No. <laughs> And there was I don't think so. I mean, I'm guessing all that's come off the back of the quotes that he that have been released this morning that he gave after the game on Saturday. But everybody's got to have a look at themselves, me, the owners, and we will come on to that yeah, actually because yeah, that is mentioned yeah, in this yeah. week's I athletic think, article. I think, I'm guessing that that's what's fueling this. Uh, Did you see as well oh, that Dougie's lumped ten thousand quid on? <laughs> <laughs> Someone as well put a. Uh, did a fake Dom Fifield account? Did you see that? Yeah. And sent a tweet saying yeah. he'd gone or was about to go. Oh, I did get duped by that because oh, I put a yeah, message in our group did. saying we're doing an emergency podcast, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out it wasn't true at all. So, yeah. these, this is the climate we're in right much, now, Celsius. Much as I love yeah. Don Firefield, and I think we all do, you could be a bit more ambitious in the fake account you set up, can you? <laughs> Really? Voice of the palace. Really? Really? Voice of the palace. <laughs> it's only a limited amount of mischief you can do as a fake Dom Five, yeah. isn't it? Really? <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So, uh, admin. Um, thanks to everyone who bought a copy of FYP issue fifty four. It's sold out at the weekend. Very good. Yeah. So, so there I, you go. I got a copy from Akosh. Actually, he was chasing me around the car park, very keen <laughs> to show me what he'd written about me. <laughs> and uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it was all right. He <laughs> was actually article. very good for uh, his English is impeccable. By the way. Way, judging by the article, it's a good article about being a Hungarian fan and, and, and why he chose Palace. Um, I think Tom also gave me an inadvertent mention in his introduction at the front as well. There was something about a mate of his that doesn't like people that don't follow their local football club. Well, I don't go. know who he was talking about. But <laughs> you can read about that me. and more in so paper copies are sold out, but we've got PDF copies available for one pound. And if you go to FYP. Uh, if you go to oh my god fypfanzine.uk forward slash shop you can buy one there are you ready for uh, an iTunes review in the style of a palace staff member oh, oh, oh. <laughs> past staff member it's from, this is from JBUK LDN the title is Maverick Podding <laughs> you can see what this is going can't you? Maverick Podding from the FYP guys I know what the positives are but I'm not necessarily going to tell you what they are. But there's a positivity about the group. They go toe-to-toe every week. They're underestimated a little bit, but they're terrific. They dominate Palace Pan, Palace Pan Media, always putting out a strong side. I enjoy the first period the most and do a little dance every time I see a new episode is available. Fair play to them. And that's from an A Pardew. Alan. So thanks he for that. must be enjoying it. That's very good. Alan. Uh, I'm going to send some FYP badges to JV UK audience. That's very good. And if you can leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes in the style of a Palace staff member, past or present, we will do the same. And also, let us know where you're listening from, because it's nice to find out where people are do. tuning in from. Are you ready for a random patron shout-out mm-hmm. this week? Can I get a drum roll? Yeah. Don't you scare the dog, you scare oh, the dog. Sorry, Arnie, you're up, man. don't worry. Sorry, Arnie. It's Barry Gent. Hey, Barry. Hi, Barry. Or Gent. G-E-N-T. Just say Gent. That sounds yeah. nice, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Gent. So, well, thank you, Barry, for your support. And you can be a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Right. Part one. We're going to talk about the Sheffield United game. Mm-hmm. I know this, and this is the first pod since transfer window, so I know there's a lot else to talk about. What? Is it? Was there any transfer what? activity to talk what, about? Scott Banks going to Alloa? All of part three is about Scott Banks. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, let's talk about the Sheffield United game because, yes, it was another home defeat, Chelsea, and yes, it was a disappointing result, albeit against a team that have got a very, very good away form. Were we actually quite unlucky given the fact that we, we did play okay and it was down to a very rare Guaita error? Yeah, uh, I think that was what it was down to totally and it, it, it changed the game. I Somebody was messaging me yesterday who listens to this podcast, so uh, he'll know who he is, but uh, sort of implying that he thought that Roy was outdone by Chris Wilder, which I refuted quite strongly because we were actually the best team up until Vicente's mistake. Mm. And obviously when you're chasing the game at 1-0 and Chris Wilder's got to see out the game, it's a lot different from the situation that we were in before. And in all honesty, you know, Roy's criticised quite heavily for his for his lack of substitutions or his in-game management, which I felt on Saturday, to be honest, he changed maybe too much and we weren't better for it and we were actually quite open and the game became, you know, they actually then had several chances off the back of it. Mm. I didn't, you know, my view was, and, and obviously it's a game of opinions, I would have removed James McCarthy and brought on Andros Townsend and played... Uh, with AU as a sort of number 10 off the back of uh, Ben Teke with Wilf and Andros wide. And perhaps then you, as I said I, on the, on the post match podcast, that may have meant that MacArthur would have had to have gone for Kiyate in order mm. to give us like a solid platform behind it. But in all honesty, it's not easy for him. And, you know, I sort of find the criticism quite hard to understand because what you had on Saturday. Bar Jeffrey Slup and Mamadou Sacco and Chink Tosin is pretty much what we've got. Every it, player, yeah. Yeah. apart from Stephen Henderson, that was fit, was either playing or on the bench, which brings us round to the transfer window further on, yeah. which makes all this even more incredible. But which we'll, I, we'll I, come I don't, on to. I don't actually understand the the point that the, the challenge I've got for anybody that sort of is saying to well we should. What should he do that he's not doing already? Because from where I'm looking, I'm not looking at the subs bench thinking, oh, we've got the players on there that are going to terrify the opposition and so on. So I don't know what the answer well, is. Well, it's actually quite a strong bench, except in, as you say, in terms of bringing on attacking flair. Yeah. The, the actual bench itself is like the, I, I mean, we played better than Southampton, but that's that had, that had to happen. <laughs> and the first 10 minutes, we were right. And there was a couple of mystifying things. I, I know we haven't got options, but. Still playing three holding midfield players at home against any team, let alone Sheffield United. And what I found odd is dropping our player of the month to bring uh, uh, to bring PVA straight back in seemed to be a little bit strange, just in terms of the morale of Riedewald, to be perfectly honest. And I thought he was less defensively solid than Riedewald had been. And also... We're just so unbalanced. If, if you're going to bring him straight back in, bring Townsend straight back in because I use many things. He's not a natural right winger. So down that side, you've got Ward and Ives. So Sheffield United know that there's no pace there. So they can they can all shuffle over towards Wilf, which is what is happening. So it's a usual situation where Wilf's getting the ball with two, three people around him. It was totally unbalanced. I, that didn't make sense to me. And it's like, but we didn't. I would have settled for a nil-nil draw after Southampton, to be perfectly honest. And I thought that was what we were going to what we were going to get and well I've literally written here one of my questions would a nil-nil have left everyone a bit more, a bit more content I, I, I'm fairly convinced I don't think we'll go down but I think we'll be getting the points 
in singles rather than in lots of <laughs> victories, to be perfectly honest. And I, that, that first single would have been a, a very helpful one. But the, the Gaeta thing, that's right in our blind spot where we sit. It's, a, it's the half awake, so obviously there's a slightly restricted view. So we had no idea what was happening. So I, I had no idea why the referee was suddenly pointing to the spot until... Well, look, so let, let, on, let's come to you for the Gaeta thing. Um, is it just one of... Of course it is. He's obviously been brilliant for us this season, barely any errors I can think of. And is it just one of those things, did he, what, jump at the wrong time, jump in the wrong space, misjudge it? What, what's going on? Uh, first of all, well, a couple of things. Kev's points there first, if I can just put a bit of, shed a bit of light on one or two of those. I think Van Arnholt would have been selected for his offensive qualities, yeah, given the problems enough. that we've got. And Townsend didn't return to training until Tuesday, so I don't think they thought he'd be fit enough to, to play the whole game. And the midfield player, I think that's a common sort of criticism. But the only sort of creative midfield player that that's probably a bit different is Max Meyer, and yeah. he hasn't done it when he's yeah. had his chance. So, again, I'm not sure what the solution is there. Um, well, still, you can play. We can play further forward. I mean, that's, yeah, the, that, that's that, the frustrating. That, that would have been that's my, frustrating that would have been my choice. I think there, to, there's no we could have been playing, that. We could still be playing now. We wouldn't score. No, well, this is the worry really? about the lack of cutting edge, yeah. Kev. But. We knew that before the season started, didn't we? You know, let alone the summer transfer window, the winter transfer window. Um, Answer the question about Guaita anyway. So I think we have to accept when you have a goalkeeper, no different for any club, occasionally he will drop almighty clangers. Oh, come here, please. I'm going to put you on your lead if you can't sit down. Sit down. (laughs) He's talking to JD. Okay. Well, also, what it shows while, while we're dealing with this Chris Packham based animal <laughs> hiatus is the, the, the thing for Gaeta is that, unlike their keeper, Sheffield United threw in a variety of crosses from a variety of places to a variety of positions in the box. So he could never second guess where the cross is going to go or the dead ball is going to go. Whereas MacArthur put that one decent cross in for Tompkins to miss, and that was the first and only decent cross we put in all afternoon because Luca comes straight back in the team and goes straight on the dead ball situations and takes every single one absolutely the same. Every single one floated, dinked to the same part of the 18 yard box. So the keeper, the defenders know exactly where it's going. Gaeta didn't have that luxury because they have far more variety in their crosses than we did. So that's, and anyone who's blaming Gaeta, they're right, it's his fault, there's no doubt about it. And he put his hands up. Missed the ball and put his hands up and uh, and apologised. But you know he's he's got us five or six points this season that we didn't have. And there's no keeper in the world goes through their career without making this is, mistakes. This is the Simple point. You know, it doesn't matter how good a goalkeeper you've got. Every so often he's going to make a bad rig. Of he is. And those kind of mistakes do not trouble me whatsoever mm. because they just happen every so often. Handling errors and stuff. I said to about Julian's one at Liverpool last year that cost the game. Yeah. No one's ever really seen him do that very often. Mm. It's a bit like being at home and having a cup of tea. You hold it in your hand every day, and for some reason, every five years, you drop it without realising. <laughs> you can't explain it because you're holding it just like you always do. But it's that little second of concentration. Yeah. Interestingly, Dean Henderson, the goalkeeper for Sheffield United, I took him back to London in the car on Saturday after the game, and he commented to me on how difficult the conditions were and how windy it was, really? oh, and said to me it was really, really difficult with the wind. He said, so I'm not surprised that he had a problem. But but the the thing with goalkeeping is it's decision making and it's all in a split second that you make that decision. That ball's coming towards me. 
do I catch it, do I punch it, do I deflect it? They're the three choices. But it all has to happen in a split second, and he's trying to make the perfect catch, which probably in the circumstances wasn't the safest thing to do, and he's paid the penalty, and, but well, it's it, also, it happens. It's you know. unusual for modern keepers as well, because that's one of the very many things my dad bangs on about <laughs> in the never, modern game. Never you, catch the ball 20, 20 years ago, catching was literally, unless you... It's physically impossible to catch it. The keeper caught it, but now, and like you say, with all the variables, with the wind, with the closeness to the crossbar, he probably should have put it over. But it's to his credit, I think, that he tried to catch it because that was the other frustrating. For every time Gaeta got the ball on Saturday, he was trying, he was looking to get rid of it quickly and start an attack. So you give it to somebody, and it would stop completely. The the ball the ball for a goalkeeper now is much more difficult to yeah. deal with. The the delivery of the players is very flat. And the ball comes into the goalkeeper. There are not many sort of nice loopy yeah. crosses where well, he ambles except, out. Except all ours. And make, well, <laughs> Every yeah, single yeah. one of ours. But, but even then, <laughs> Kev, our corners haven't been great. But they're not often that the goalie just comes and plucks one yeah. out of the air. Sort it's not the first you know, man it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, as, as, as Roy said after the game, he apologised for the dressing room. And the dressing room rejected the apology because they didn't think that he needed to make it. Cool. Because no, of how it's good a very honourable yeah. thing to do. Just just on finally for part one, then, because we've got a lot to get onto in the other parts. What... Kevin, would, with that performance and that result, if deadline day hadn't happened the day before, would Palace fans maybe come away from that being a bit more like, oh, well, do you know what, we tried really hard, we were a bit unlucky. Is, is the context of deadline day hanging over a result like that? I think it's the other way around. I think if we'd come away with three points, we'd have forgotten deadline day, yeah. essentially. We were saying this in the pub, that when our squad is fully fit, it's a good enough squad to stay in the... In the Premier League, that, I mean, that's a but that's a question. Developing that squad going ahead is something we've always debated about. But that performance or that result, rather, off the back of the disappointing transfer window, did add insult to injury a little bit. But we would have forgotten the fact that we didn't sign Roy's probably third choice right back because he failed a fitness test. If we'd got three points from that game, because suddenly we'd all be looking. It's like listening to Burnley fans on 6.06 last night, all over the moon, because they've got their first ever point against Arsenal, and they're on 31 points already. And you're listening to Arsenal fans going, we dropped a point against Burnley, we're on 30 point, 31 points. So it's like, if we'd been on 31, 33 points, we'd be going, yeah, it's brilliant. But yeah. we look down and we think, mm, of course, it's, look, it's a bit messy down there. And we've been on 30 points for quite some time. And we've been expecting, by now, we all had that dream scenario whereby we were on 36, 37, we'd be celebrating by scoring goals for fun. But And it's we've stalled a little bit. Mm. And the lack of activity in the transfer window, or perceived activity, didn't help the mood before the game and exacerbated it afterwards. Agreed. And actually, Celsius, if I can just put you one more question, from Rob Axel. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. He says, I feel we play well as a team with Benteke in it. His link-up play in the last I, match was good. Just a shame his confidence in shot in front of goal. Yeah, uh, uh, it's fair. I thought he did pretty well, you know, his back to goal and yeah. his touch and stuff. But unfortunately, unless the ball's on his head in the box, he doesn't look like he's going to score a goal, mm. which is which is a big problem. And that's my main concern. It was my main concern before the start of the season. I said to you, if we finish fourth from bottom after the first day of the season, because the nil-nil draw against Everton, where we had a couple of chances and we edged it a little bit, was what I think would be very typical of the season. That's what I expected, given the personnel. The worrying thing is, from an attacking perspective, aside of Tosin, we had everything that we could throw at them yeah. on Saturday, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're not likely to score a lot of goals. And Roy said afterwards, we're not suddenly going to start scoring goals with the same players that we've got. And this is my point about... What can he do differently? Because I don't really see a lot that he can do well, differently. What, what 
Fucking idiot let Wickham and Daly go then in the circumstances. And the, the other thing with Benteke is everyone around us is having a go at him. We're trying to explain he's winning these headers. In any other team, there'd be, there'd be players around him to pick him up. And it's hold-up play. You can only hold it up for 15, 20 seconds. You can't hold it for four, four yeah. minutes while our ageing midfield trundle up towards him. He was, he, some of his flicks were fantastic, but no one was, I wasn't coming off the line to read him. Wilf was always surrounded by people, so I thought Benteke had a good game. It just The rest of the team weren't noticing it. Just needs that goal, doesn't he? Just yeah, and again, he had two, one in each half, didn't he? For once, a midfield player put it in front of him and he snatched at the shot. And Well, hopefully it will come. Uh, but what is going to come is part two. We'll be discussing, oh, there's the buzzer for it, uh, an article <laughs> from The Athletic. <laughs> Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Uh, welcome back to the Fabi Plant Podcast. Hey. It's part two, and for part two, guys, we've made a signing. Unlike Palace, we've wow. brought someone in at the last minute. It was a free transfer in desperation. Yeah, no one else wanted him, it's a bit to be like, fair. It's a bit like uh, bringing back sort of uh, Bakary Sacco, I suppose, from this <laughs> just, time last year. Just padding it? the squad out. Yeah. Um, but it is a familiar face. It's Mr Andy Street. Hey. Hello. Hey. Oh, so it's probably more like when David Hopkin re-signed under <laughs> Alan Smith in the yeah. Bakary Sacco still had something to give. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How it's, are you? It's the fans I feel sorry for, because they'll, they'll, be, they'll be listening again. All excited, like five to midnight on yeah. transfer day. We've signed someone. We're stuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, well, just trying to give a good salutary lesson of what transfer windows are like mm-hmm. in January. That you end up, you know, expecting to get in a great new guest, and then you get the same old person back. What was our expected transfer target ratio? Well, it's probably better than signing me, I imagine. Uh, it's good to have I'm you back. Probably uh, not far away, though, to be fair. <laughs> Listen, part two is, of course, our uh, You do part... know you're going to a podcast in Alloa now, don't you? <laughs> 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 Might not hear the cry for this. <laughs> uh, part two, we discussed an article from The Athletic. They're a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace, of subscription-based website and app, and they're completely ad-free. No ads, no annoying pop-ups. Just brilliant articles. Welcome to the home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a 30-day free trial and get 50 percent off your yearly subscription which I think is actually more than most people are offering because most are doing 30 and 40 percent now so there you go this that was incredible that was like on I, times two wasn't it, it was. I knew we'd not phenomenal. be enthusiastic out of him eventually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the January times I'm just surprised that it took a decade to be perfectly yeah. honest with you um, so the, the, basically there's quite a lot of decent articles on there at the moment but obviously there's a lot to talk all about of, all and of them are decent they're all decent, they're all decent but particularly articles. in the last few days there's one from that Dom, Dom Fife has done on the Nathan Ferguson transfer Saga, which is Aaron, definitely real, worth the real Don Firefield. <laughs> the real Don Firefield, sure. yeah. Sure Did it. you check? <laughs> I haven't checked. No, I, but I got duped by the uh, six million fee for Omar Nias about two hours before the window closed on Friday, and I had a quick double take because it was so Crystal Palace. I could actually <laughs> believe it was true. Uh, but there's another article here talking about uh, the hierarchy, transfers, everything really from Matt 
Woosnam and from Don Fyfoot. It's called An Aging Squad, Hodgson's Deal expi- Expiring, and Silence from the American Owners. Muddled thinking is dragging Palace down the table. My God, that's a strong... Uh, All sounds very positive. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to start with some quotes that you alluded to earlier that Roy said, I think these were the embargoed quotes about the structure, saying, uh, now Steve Parrish, D- Doug Friedman, <laughs> love that he calls him Doug, and the American Owners, they're going to have to do a lot of thinking alongside myself and the coaching staff about what is the best way forward. And in the next transfer window, we're going to try and do is make sure that the team gets stronger, to ensure, if we stay up this year, and we still have a lot of work to do to ensure that, we go into the next year with a bit more power and a bit more grease to our elbow. Is that, a, is that, that sounds very yeah, yeah, right, isn't If it? you're elbow, old like me and Kev, we know grease. those kind of yeah. Grease to the elbow. I might, na- I might name the pod grease to our yeah. elbow this week. Um, and then, uh, Matt what does that mean? I don't elbow know. Grease. It means, it means put, it's going to go faster. Put some elbow grease into it. Yeah. Well, why, why do you have greasy elbows? <laughs> I mean, I've obviously heard of the idiom. I'm just wondering where it came from. Car mechanics yeah. or something like that? That makes yeah. your arm move faster, I suppose, does it? Robots. Also, there's an elbow in there. I've just somewhere. had a thought. Yeah. J.D., I've never thought of this before, the fact that you just referred to him as Doug again. Doug. Do you think he calls him Doug because he drops him in a big hole all the time? Excellent. Do you have more to read? Cause I, I've got one more paragraph, okay. which is... Matt and Dom following on from that. And he says, they say, theirs is an onerous task, convincing the masses that this is a club with a clear strategy and moreover an ability to tap into the market to smooth Palace's long-term progression. They've not spent more than 2.5 million on a player in any of the last three transfer windows, which would not be a criticism had they unearthed Gems at bargain prices instead, which we have done a few, to be fair. Admittedly, their wage bill is eye-watering, but uh, another mid-season opportunity to strengthen has passed them by. Tosin is currently hamstrung, as we mentioned earlier. Mm. A team who has amassed 30 points by mid-January to nestle in the top half of the table and still sits six points off the bottom three, starting to cast anxious glasses over their shoulders at the squabbling near the foot. And we do have questions later on. A lot of our listeners are worried about relegation. Um, Why were those comments embargoed? Uh, that's just what happens after, after games. You have the main press conference. Press uh, okay, it's no. for the Monday papers and, and stuff it like sounds, that. That sounds to me like a, as close to an ultimatum as Roy could ever make. That sounds to me like strength from the squad or I'm not going to manage it. Well, he's not been adverse to doing similar, has he, in, in the mm. past. But that's certainly very strong terms from him. And so, as you said, on, we did a, a bumper post-match pod with Rob after the Sheffield United game that you kind of feel like this has been a really... <laughs> Big missed opportunity, transfer-wise. I think the whole season has been one big missed opportunity because whatever we do and whatever we achieve, we'll only know that it could have been so much better had had we done what we're supposed to have done. And in all honesty, I can't find anything positive or good to say about it. In fact, you know, we are... If Selzy's saying that... No, we're playing roulette now with our Premier League future. Mm. And I don't care... Because there's all these different various theories about who's to blame and Roy doesn't want this one and, and we didn't want to pay for that one and this and so on. And I've got a bit of background to most of them and know sort of pretty much a lot of what went on. But it wouldn't even matter because if I'm the owners of the club or I'm Dougie Friedman, who's the sporting director, and Kev's Roy Hudson, he says to me, I don't want that bloke, I won't be sitting there saying, here, Kev, you know what? I'm going to risk us getting relegated because yeah. you don't want to sign any players. If it's a director of football and a, and a head coach situation, the head coach accepts, I would imagine, by taking that role that he's not going to scout every player and know every player. And in all honesty, we've had five transfer windows now with this current setup, and every single one of them has been diabolical, really. Mm. You know, the players that we've signed... Uh, 
Kuyate, Cahill, McCarthy. Um, who have I missed? Uh, Guaita. I'm thinking the Premier League. Oh, Tosin on loan. Batshuayi on loan. These are all players that Premier League clubs didn't want, effectively, is okay. what I'm trying to say to you. They didn't need scouting. We didn't need to know everything about them. We had we Premier League players that other clubs didn't want. Guaita was a great find. Meyer has not been a great find and an expensive uh, spend, really, yet to deliver. And the rest, you know, Yaroslav Yak, Alexander Serlot. Is this the best we can do? You know, and... and We've got scouts in every country. You know, we've got SCOE scouting in France. We've got one of the Gallen brothers covering Germany and so on. And we can sign Cenk Tosin, a fella that Everton didn't want, that that uh, that we tried to sign two years ago. Well, somewhere I mean, in, somewhere it, in Turkey, there's a genius, There's someone going, who's the genius who got Serlot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but our scouting system's it, fantastic. My, you're, you're absolutely right, but I, I suspect I'm going to jump in because I, I, the dog needs feeding at some stage <laughs> within the next hour or so. But... It's we. It, all the rumours are that Hodgson wanted Carl Walker Peters, and that's the reason why. Because people say, well, why, "Why wasn't Ferguson failing his medical two weeks ago?" Because Hodgson, that wasn't his first choice. All right, and you can't. Fair enough. Our, our medical team found an underlying problem that West Brom clearly didn't know. So you can't argue with that. What you can argue with, as we talked about in the first half, when we know we're short of goals, why do we let two goal goal scoring options? That that's just mystifying. That's baffling. Wickham as well. I mean, Jay, uh, Daly, fair enough, if he was going out on loan to get experience, you'd go fair enough. But to get rid of and to, to get rid of Wickham when he scored against Norwich and bullied the Fernandino into the own goal against Man City, that's just that's just mystified. So presumably they they think, well, Benteke's obviously fit enough to last the rest of the season and will score the goals. But that's what annoys you. You, you, you accept that you're going to lose some players that you want to bring in. Albeit it happens too often for us for it to be accidental, but letting players go in the in the one area on the pitch where you've got no options, full stop. He, he might as well have let Rielveld go because we've got Van Arnott coming back. The the Ferguson thing's interesting because it sounds like the Palace and from Dom's article in the Athletic, the Palace and West Brom disagreed wildly on the nature of the injury and how bad it was and Palace think that he needed surgery and wouldn't play for the rest of the season his contract's up in the summer so then that affected the fee and there was lots of things going into it and when you mix that in with the deadline day in general and the madness around it and what it causes fans to think and expect I think from the club you do almost Andy get this kind of no-win situation I mean yes the, the transfers have been disappointing and we've as you say we've lost people and not replaced them but when you hear from people like Dom how complicated transfers are and how quickly they can change, times that by the madness of the transfer window and deadline day in Sky Sports and Jim White in his yellow tie, I think people are always going to be disappointed in some way. Right? And obviously you can magnify that by the fact that Palace have not brought in what we wanted. With the January window, I think it's probably felt I was uh, describing it to my stepdad yesterday as being like trying to buy a house in a chain in two weeks where you've got to get the perfect house mm, and yeah. you probably need to offload some of your possessions to get enough funds and that that's the level of complication that you're talking about i've acted on quite a few sort of disputed transfers in january transfer windows and the overwhelming majority of them don't end up happening and you probably would infer that anyway but in comparison to the ones that i've dealt with is that just because of the time thing then, i think quite often the time thing i think there's lots of contingencies that you don't have the time to put all the dominoes in a row um, or ducks in a row. Um, I think the fact that you know, I think Adam's mentioned it on the pod before that January is very difficult because no one's going to let their 
valued and good players go intra-season. They might let them go in the summer window if they've got sort of new things lined up or if it's clear that a player goes. But generally, unless you're talking about a Christian Eriksen type situation where the player's adamant that he's going to go and he's coming right up to the end of his contract, January is a very difficult time to do good business. And you quite often see it that... Uh, if you take a look at the coverage on Sky Sports on the last day of January, there's always these, these deals that are hyped up, and they mm. sort of talk about potential £60 million deal here, £70 million deal here, £80 million deal here. But inevitably, when the record ends up being broken for, well, record transfers, for example, it tends to be in the summer. Yeah, yeah. When clubs do their best business, it tends to be in the summer. Now, that then makes it more of a sort of pressure situation for you to get the, the summer window right. And there'll be certain situations where you're in a bad position midway through the season so you have to get your January window right thankfully that's quite often not the case for clubs but it, it is it's a it's, it's an incredibly difficult time to to deal with it all in that period particularly when the games are coming thick and fast what, the, mm. the, what was annoying about the Ferguson one was first of all you go actually this is unusual for us going for a young player that other clubs are in for yeah that's, he really fitted the bill didn't I, didn't, then, I didn't, didn't think we were going to be able to get him and I'm not sure that they did either right. but last the last few days it became apparent that he was willing to come. Yeah. I understood that he, he was actually going to go abroad during the summer where there was training compensation and uh, and the, the agent then potentially can earn himself a very Absolutely. big fee for conducting it. But, but Kev, the, the bit that's still, and, and Andy's point there about it's difficult and all this kind of stuff, but we are not unique as a football no, club. No. Everyone has to buy and sell players. Yeah. There's more to it than this. You know, we're, we're you know, this is a Premier League football club with millions of pounds at stake. Nathan Ferguson fails his medical. That's nobody's fault, mm. right? Accepted. That's bad luck, right? But if he's failing his medical on Wednesday and there's two days of the yeah. window left, where are your targets that are next on the list and what are you going to do? And, and thereafter, you know, as Andrew said there, You've got a situation where no one wants to sell their best players. This country, it's very difficult to buy a player off a Premier League club. They gave us Cenk Tosin because they frankly didn't want him. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying to you. It's an easy deal to do, really, in that respect, apart from the fact you've got to swallow a very big salary. But on the other side of it, <laughs> you know, how can we, how can we be in a situation knowing that we've got so few outfield players already and not bring in more bodies you know and like I said to you it, it's we're actually now playing roulette with yeah. our Premier League future what, what the, the because most, where do we go from here the most annoying thing for me about the Ferguson thing was that Hodgson's made it plain I want a right back and a left back so they would have said you've got a right back and a left back trouble is it's one bloke yeah <laughs> because he can play both and it's like, no, but that's good though isn't it, isn't it, it, it oh. it's either good because you're buying a versatile player or it's cut price and cheap because you're getting two players for one because we haven't got the wherewithal to scout two players. We can just about manage to get one. Turns out he's injured, but we can't get two. That's asking way too much for somebody who's paid millions of quid to do a basic job of running a football club. Can I ask a question about Ferguson to you from Chaz Lucas? Hi, Chaz. Good old Chaz. It says, um, would a deal for Ferguson still be worth pursuing, even with the knee problems? He seemed to be a long-term signing anyway. He's 19. As a fan, I feel he'd, I'd be happy to wait for him to get fit. I think that's an interesting question. I don't think many Palace fans would agree. I think they probably made a decision that that would infuriate fans more than anything else. Like we have bought somebody in, but he's got to have an operation. He might not be fit till Christmas. And it's 
that's you I want to make that, that though, Kev. In the long term, in the long you know, term, but obviously they had to yeah, negotiate you, with the club and appearance based deal, don't you? You, yeah. don't know, you don't know how the operations yeah. are going to go. No. Yeah, it's, true. It's, it's, should, it's a gamble. Why should we be paying for that when he's West Brom's player? No, is there a chance of Ross going back in the summer? Well, he's going to be a free agent, and it depends what damage or or goodwill has been achieved during this spell, doesn't it? You know, is he going to be unhappy, or is he very happy with the way we've approached it and that that we want him? But again, you know, it, there should have been other options and we should have been able to go to two, three or four thereafter, even if it was a short-term yeah. fix, you know, to leave us with nothing. It's inexcusable and it's not happened once. This isn't once. This is five transfer windows we're talking about. We, I, I said the other day, without realising, that our transfer business was akin to something like... Um, a bottom third of the championship club's business. And then within five minutes, somebody had posted on Twitter that 18 or 16 out of the last, uh, out of the 24 current championship clubs had outspent us in the last five windows. And we've sold a player for £50 million. I mean, on the way here, Clinton Morrison and Danny Murphy were on the radio talking about Palace's situation. Both of them startled and amazed that Roy Hodgson hasn't had the backing and both said he's done a miraculous job to keep Palace where they are, given they've sold a £50 million right back. Mm. We've gone through two windows and not replaced them. Mm. I mean, it's a shocking indictment, I'm afraid. Well, there's nothing There's nothing good I can say about it other than it's sheer incompetence. Well, can I give you... I, mean, I, I agree about Roy. I think he's doing a brilliant job and I think a lot of fans do, although we do have questions about his future coming up in part three. But Andy, if I could put you this, and it's from Jamie Penston Raja, who says, have you, have you ever experienced, hi Jamie, a worse transfer window? Who's to blame or are we just unlucky? And on that, a bit more from this Athletic article, there are other players that Palace were linked with, like Christian Cuarme from Genoa, and apparently they had an £18 million deal uh, lined up, does his anterior cruciate knee ligament. So that doesn't happen. And then he's now signed for Fiorentina for £11 million. So that club has sort of gambled on that and we haven't. And then there was a lad called Ryan Eit Nuri, mm whose progress had been long-tracked, the article says, at Angers, only for the left-back... Only for the teenage... Oh, my GCSE French down the pan. Uh, for uh, the teenage left-back to suffer a double fracture of his jaw in the League One fixture against Nice. So does Jamie have something in that that maybe they're a bit unlucky? What, this specific... With this specific window? I guess so, but also... Yes, but also in general... No, this window, yeah. Um, I, I, I think Adam has made all of the pretty salient points on that really um without going into the specifics of the, the, the those deals ultimately because more transfers don't happen than do obviously you need to have lots of irons in the fire and if there aren't lots of irons in the fire and there aren't contingency plans all those contingency plans don't work for whatever reason then questions end up being asked um and ultimately much as i might say that the january transfer window is an incredibly difficult time and it is it's not going to buy you a huge amount of grace with, with fans if they perceive there to be shortcomings in the squad and those shortcomings, whether perceived or actual, aren't addressed. But is it, I mean, do fans need to appreciate sometimes that these things do happen? These, these, these well, freak injuries you do... Can, you can say the Ferguson thing and the left-back at Anjou is a, is a freaky situation where they've both got injured, but you can't only have one choice. Mm. You know, the way these people operate, and I include the clubs in this... You know, and if anyone's dealt with Dougie as I have over transfer business or contracts, he's quite an abrasive character and he'll be spinning several plates, or he should be, 
but for some reason we're not. And there seems to be all these sort of myths and stories that are circulated where people seem to be finding somebody as a, a scapegoat, you know, including Roy. Oh, Roy didn't want this and Roy wouldn't do that. Roy is the head coach. The chairman and the, the two American fellas own the football club and I'm a big fan of Steve's, as you know, and he's a friend of mine. But I've got to say to you that, you know, we didn't have this issue, you know, conducting transfers previously and... It's not as if we haven't got money to spend on players either. Well, is it? it I, I could understand it, Kev. If if we lost Batshuayi and and uh, Aaron Wambisaka, and he's gone, okay, here's the money. You've lost the thirty-five million pound striker we had on loan, and we've lost a a a, a, a excellent right back for fifty million pounds. But the whole idea of the, the Wambisaka Aaron going was that. You know, the it's team was going to be strengthened, the or the, the squad, yeah. across but the board, to make us better. We've done none of it. We've done Chelsea, absolutely none of it. I know, we're, I know we're trying to get the wage bill down from the Kabai days. I understand that. But my other worry is it doesn't seem to take much for a player to not come to Palace. I mean, we're in for Kyle Walker-Peters until the day he goes to Southampton. We're in for Bowen until West Ham come for it. It's like these people seem to, once they're offered another option, they seem only too happy uh, there, to take the other a, option. So. There's a bit more to that. I mean, Kyle Walker-Peters, we sort of set up, from what I understand, but we were mindful of the fact it would use up our second domestic loan. And so they were sort of dragging their feet a little bit. And then I think they decided to do Ferguson, by which time he'd gone to Southampton. Um... So that's in just, and, just and poor Bowen, just in Bowen it? wasn't really serious, and right. I think even Roy sort of backed up my comments on that from Saturday. Was that, and they were that uh, the fact was that Bowen was offered to us on loan uh, for the rest of the season with a view to signing him permanently for big money. As he was offered on loan, I think the general consensus was well, if it's a loan, it might be something that we might pursue. But if you're saying we've got to stick down 20-odd mm. million pounds for a bloke from the championship and pay him in excess of 60 grand a week at this point, that might be something that we're not that comfortable with in terms of the risk for, for what might happen. And so it was that my understanding is that Hull then used their conversation or dialogue with Palace in order to flush out the interest of West well, Ham and Newcastle, and they were... Successful accordingly. But as it happens, I wasn't too bothered about that because remember two transfer windows ago when they gazumped us for Hugh Gill. Yes. Hugh Gill was coming down and he turned out the risk. Then, and what has he done? Then he's done nothing. nothing he's back on loan at a championship club after yeah. six months. So but this is my even, point. Even, even is... Moises said that he's not going straight in the first team. So, but it is, isn't it? It is a lot of it is timings and yeah. spinning plates, and and it's not it's not very straightforward. JD, it? can I just say one thing? Sorry, because I I didn't say this to you earlier, and, and all the conversation we've had, it's really difficult to get players off Premier League clubs. So where do you get the players in this transfer window from smaller foreign clubs that don't have the revenue levels of Premier League clubs that are more likely to accept the right bid for a player? And that's where you should focus your attention. Because trying to do a, 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 a deal with another Premier League club, they're not going to give you one of their best players mm. very easily. You know, And that's why you end up being linked with the likes of Jordan Ibe, again, not wanted by Bournemouth, you know. So it's it's just, we've got to be better at it. It's not as if we haven't got the resources. I have to say to you, knowing some of the people that are involved in our scouting team, I'd have 
grave concerns about their ability to identify talent, hence why we've ended up with the likes of Yak and Surlot and things like that that haven't worked out. And it is a big concern for me. But overall, it's it's absolutely shambolic that we end up in a situation where we've got 19 outfield players for the rest of the season. We've started the season with three blokes that have scored two goals between them. And the only thing we've managed to find is a bloke that Everton don't want that we tried to sign two years ago. What are they doing? It's not good enough. It's not acceptable. And they need to... They're now... I said to you at the start, fourth from bottom with what we had, I'd be pleased with because I couldn't see us scoring a lot of goals. And I'm fearful. And and I'm just grateful that we've got this bloke in charge who, who's probably perfect to try and eke out results. And Kev hit the nail on the head earlier when he said, I can see him coming in singles more than anything else. Mm. Because we haven't got... It's not like he can click his fingers and change it all up and he's missing something and he's not doing something. He's already tried it all. And yeah. let's be honest, there isn't a lot more he can do. We're just going to keep banging away at the door and hope at some point that we open it here and there. But... We're going to find it very, very difficult. How long's tossing out for? Don't know. A few weeks. Back after he's got three weeks, it's a hamstring injury. He wouldn't have been able to play, play on Saturday, anyway, yeah, so he's yeah. missing one game effectively. Blimey. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said there, but I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this probably feeling quite down now because you're supposed to be the positive one. <laughs> no, listen, I'm I'm positive about the manager, and you know, at the end of the day, it's our club, all of us, and we care about it. And but I. I can't believe we're a Premier League club that's got £50 million from selling a right back and spent £18 million in the last five transfer windows. Mm. Are we serious or not? Because, you know, and, and the question is, JD, beyond this, you know, this wasn't a problem before with Steve in charge. So where's it coming from? Is it is it uh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer? What's the story? The silence is deafening, really. Nobody talks. We don't hear anything from them about their plans for the club. Dougie's never done a single interview, as far as I know, since he's been the, the sporting director. And guess who's left holding the baby and gets whipped by everyone for an hour and a half on a Saturday afternoon? The bloke who's trying to pull it all together. And that's a terrible injustice from where I'm looking. Yeah, I, well, I don't disagree with that. Um, can I round off then? God, I feel so depressed. Sorry. The um, well, dog's gone to sleep. Yeah. Oh, good. It's okay. used, well, used to my rubbish <laughs> coming out. I mean, I think it, it leaves us in a position where there's now a lot of pressure in the summer for them to get that right, and we will see what they do. But let me round off with a question from John Saraf. Right, John. Who says, a transfer window where we get in a striker on loan who is injured before the window closes, and a young lad who is immediately sent back on loan to Scotland. Is this the worst window for a while, or just dot, dot, dot? Typical palace. Well, the Scott Scott Lads thing is why did they even bother announcing it? Why did they make a fuss? Why did they introduce this new attacking midfield player who's the standard had a profile on him? He's all over the club website. To to deflect from the other lack of. But but, but then, did they think we wouldn't notice that he's gone to (laughs) Alloa? They're not even a full time professional football team. He's not even going back to his parent club. Why did we bring him in? How are we developing him in in Alloa? Was it, that's nonsense. Don't know. I can give you a bit of background again, a little bit. <laughs> Don't wake the dog up. Before, uh, I think he hadn't played very much after he'd refused to sign a contract at Dundee United. 
and from what I understand, wasn't in particularly great condition as a result in terms of his fitness <laughs> oh, levels. Yeah. So we'll bring him in then. Perfect. So we've got him now, but with the idea that he can go and play some football between now and the end of the season oh. to get himself in shape. And I think Roy's comments about Connor Wickham seem to be along the, the same lines because I, like you, think how on earth can we let another player leave when we haven't got... We've actually got 19 outfield players. We had 20. Mm. We've let Camarasa and Wickham leave and brought Tosin in. So we've actually got even less than we have oh, before. The first, oh, that, the takes first a lot of, that takes yeah. a lot of doing in transfer window, yeah. doesn't it? Well, so that actually, is typical yeah. players, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's typical of our... When I was about to say when you asked the question to Kev, typical of our last five windows, so it must be typical Palace, yeah. you know. Okay. This isn't a one-off, is it? Let's be honest. It's been a shambles. And, and you know, the fact that we can't get these deals over the line and leave ourselves so vulnerable, I mean, is it a fact that perhaps the, the, the American owners feel that, OK, well, we'll just bob around and yeah. Roy will keep us in the league, so what do we want to spend any money for? And which my question to them is... Why are they only in a football club if they're not trying to take it forward? I know you're trying to finish this bit, JD, but that does. We did say on this pod, I think about the third game in a row that Riedewald had played well, and everyone was praising Riedewald. And we said the only downside to that is that they'll probably use that as an excuse not to bring in a another left back, and that's clearly what's happened. And clearly, you can only assume that somebody at the club has gone. We're going thirty points. We're not going down. As Celtic says, let's not. Spend that fifty million quid until we're sure he's spending it wisely. Still, well, Daly's been offloaded to make way for Street, so I'm yes. actually quite quite pleased. <laughs> with the I'm genuinely surprised. Forty five minutes in, you hadn't mentioned that already. Jody, I was just waiting I, to get it as the last in, moment of the part. Incidentally, <laughs> the two when I've mentioned on the way here that Natalie Sawyer was on the radio with Clinton and Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy obviously played under Roy at Fulham and knows him well. Clinton knows the club very well, of course. Both of them used the sort of terminology that I'd used to describe Roy's situation since he's been here, things like he's doing an incredible job with the limited mm. resources he's working with. And Danny Murphy said he's got one hand tied behind his back. And I think I've said that several times over the season. If I'm Roy, I've got to be honest, I'd be getting tired of this. Mm. You know, I'd want to keep Palace up at the end of the year and tell them to stick it where the sun don't shine, quite frankly. OK, on that bombshell this is the same Adam Sell isn't it I, I don't it's, this is what January transfer window does also, to people can I just point out getting a dog is supposed to relax you <laughs> everybody else you've met his dog now yeah. <laughs> Kevin I, I, I can't we've, we've had to put up with a difficult spell to get to this point yeah. to be at this point after we've waited for six months to get there and right all these wrongs with this money it's inexcusable mm. I'm sorry if we get relegated they deserve to go down Anyway, you can read that article at theathletic.co.uk and if you go to athletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a 30-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Right. That's mean you don't have to read all those questions out about the transfer window. No, we, do three, have, do we do have questions in part three. We are running over, but we're going to crack on. So after the break, we've got questions from our listeners. Welcome back to the Five Plan Podcast. Miserable <laughs> 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 bastards. <laughs> Part three is questions from our listeners. We have loads. I apologise now, we're not going to get through any, many of them, but I'm going to try as hard as I can. I've got one question. Why is Streety making so much noise making that cup of tea out there? I just, it's a good cup of tea, that's why. 
It better be. Uh, so, uh, we've had quite put a few questions. Put the milk in first, Street. Don't mess Do about, not son. put the milk in first. Put the milk in first. <laughs> we've had quite a few questions. We mentioned this earlier about, about the American owners and the structure in general. And I think people, it's fair to say a lot of fans are getting tetchy and frustrated and want to sort of know... I don't know anyone who's titchy or frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) Let me read you some questions. So Richard Bushell has put, okay, the Americans, and he's put possibly a cross-pod question for Kevin, so this might be one for Prost Football. What is the return they are looking for for their investment? Surely there has to be a long-term plan, knowing it would be zero if we were relegated. And Paul Knight has put, is the lack of spending a case of keeping, keeping debt down to attract buyers? Maintaining PL status is all that's required right now. The Americans clearly just want to make a few quid. Is it attitude why spend 50 million when 16 million eight places in, in prize money? It's very I, difficult to know what they're thinking, really. It's a lot of guesswork, it's, isn't it's, it? It's, it's beyond very difficult to know. It's impossible to know what they're thinking because they're not telling us. That's entirely their decision if, if you know, they're businessmen. The trouble with me doing the Prize of Football podcast is people seem to think that I actually know about the stuff. <laughs> I read what's put in front of me, essentially, <laughs> and listen to Kieran's answer. So I don't it's think, good, I have to say. I really enjoy it. I, I don't think... This is my, my understanding, and I know people question me about this after the live pod. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my understanding from things I've put together, from things I've been told by various people, is that keeping the debt down, keeping the wages down in order to sell the club isn't an issue. I just think you've got two blokes who don't want to invest as much money as Steve Parrish thought they were going to invest. Yeah, and... It comes back to Wan Bissaka. If you if you own a business or you part own a business that you know has been handed fifty million quid to spend on players, why are you going to give more money to spend on players? Why should why should we be looking to the Americans to invest when we know we've got fifty million quid? I don't think it's an issue that that fifty million quid has to be you know is waiting for them to to take out or it's on the stand. It's that's the, that's the issue. That the money is available. Well, we, we don't need any extra. <laughs> <laughs> um, calm down, Arnie. It's a comedy it's, podcast. Then. It's, it's only Ed and uh, his dressing gown. Don't worry about is, it. Yeah. Frightening the dog. Ed, Ed <laughs> bitten. <laughs> your, legs, <laughs> your legs are too hairy. That's a trouble. <laughs> too manly. Um, it's just the tos- like, testosterone in this room just doubled. That's what the dog's worried about. <laughs> I, did, I, know, I remember when, when the Americans were announced as investors. What, four years, it was December 2015, I think, possibly yeah. before Pardew came in. And, you know, there was a lot of positivity around the club and people were thinking this will take us on to the next level. Yeah, and me included. To be fair, spending the next window did, you know, was our biggest for some time. But nothing's really manifested in that in since, really, has well, it? Well, this is one of the things I was going to say to you that perplexes me a little bit. Knowing Steve the way he is, Steve only ever wants the best for Crystal Palace, right? We couldn't have a better fellow in charge in that respect who wants to take the club forward, who understands it. You know, in many ways, I'm grateful that we don't have some owner from Asia or some other part of the world who wants to sack the manager every fortnight when we lose or, you know, randomly trade players. You know, we have a, a, a solid base in that respect. But Steve, I know, would like to please. And Steve is smart. Steve knows what he's about. And he won't be sitting there, I'm pretty sure, from the transfer window saying, yeah, I'm really pleased with our work and we've done great and we've done this. He won't because I haven't spoken to him, but I know how he works. So there's got to be more to it that we're being hamstrung or or not. You know, there doesn't seem to be, as you said, this kind of 
striding forward that we all expected. You know, it was like when our dreams come true. You know, these guys were supposed to take us on to the next level. You know, with the guys Stephen and Jeremy and Martin, Steve had rescued the club and this was the next stage. And here we go, stadium, training facilities, players, everything looked so positive. And you're thinking, we could end up filling our our real full potential here. We're not selling our best players. We're paying top money to our best players to keep them. Everything seemed that we were acting like a club that was going places. Then all of a sudden, we stopped spending any money. We sell our best player for £50 million from last season and all of us don't reinvest the money. And all of a sudden, you start wondering... Well, we're treading water and we're not going forward. I think, to be fair, though, you could argue from the club's point of view, the training facilities have improved greatly. The new academy, yeah, we talked about the future and potential. The new academy is proper state-of-the-art. And Paddy McCarthy of the Lifeboard was yeah, very excited about that. That's, that's going to be a lot of money. It's just... I, it's just that question you don't know what you what you expect because it's it's not like you see a club like Leicester for example where the the owners come in they're very high profile they're very hands on they communicate with the, the fans and give and then you see our example when these guys come in as the biggest investors technically the owners but and then don't say a word then don't tell us what their plans are for the future what they want what that, what's happening with their other sports teams and that's and it's, it's entirely it's up to them if that's how they want to do it it's their money but it, that's in the absence of that we speculate and that's the thing because people go well, Paris wants to stay as chairman that's why we can't sell the club all that is nonsense as Celsius says Steve genuinely only wants what's best for, for Paris and we are I believe him when he says we're in a situation where we don't have to sell the club the, Kieran McGrath and the Prize of Football says we are probably one of the few Premier League clubs that's all right so yeah, with it, he was certainly the only Premier League club that that is well within financial fair play rules because that's what Steve has, has tried to ensure since the, the those wage wages spiralled out of control five or six years ago. I mean, if only there was a subscription-based sports website that had links to America that was able to, <laughs> to, to find, yeah, find yeah. the owners and ask them what was going on. But it's unusual though because Selzer Street, you'll know this because American sports owners are normally very. Public, they're very, yeah, they communicate with fans. Sports very, coverage in very, the US is very different yeah, but, to here. Well, yeah. and access to owners and, and access, media yeah. is, is much different as well. They, these guys are normally only too happy to talk to the press in America. The, these are hedge fund fellas, I think, aren't they? So, my missus is from Philadelphia, and so she she's really big on the Eagles, American football generally, but will keep an eye on the, the baseball, the Phillies, and the Sixers. Uh, owned by these guys and she said to me when they took over the club that their reputation in the US was not great oh, and right. around the Sixers because they'd done it on a sort of uh, money ball basis where they basically let the team tank over a period of time in order to get the best draft picks so that they could then build the the team back up. I, I might be speaking slightly out of turn because it's not something I follow closely but they seem to take a very sort of business and methodical approach to all these things. And perhaps, you know, you wonder whether they go, well, all right, if we go and spend £50 million in the transfer market and finish two places higher and we get an extra 5 or £10 million, what do we want to do that for? Yeah. We'll just rely on Roy to, to keep us ticking along. And I, I think what's happened in the transfer window... In footballing circles with some of the people that I talk to hasn't come as a huge surprise to everybody. 
I didn't believe that we'd allow this situation to happen. But again, as you say, we don't know the direction. We don't hear anything. There is no, there is no sort of public declaration or idea or interview about anybody's plans for the club. Lots of rumours about sale and different people being interested and whether the the the, the Blitzer um, Harris combination really want to be there or do they want to sell and so on. And we're just not clear, like you said. So then people will speculate. And, and it, it doesn't look good in terms of what we're doing at the moment or where we're trying to get to. And the Sixers is ice hockey. Baseball. Close. The um, Philadelphia Flyers are the baseball team. The 76ers yeah. are the basketball team. for a job team. at the Athletic with uh, in the <laughs> And who's the Philadelphia soccer like team, JD? Uh, Union. Very good. There you go. Well, 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 back on track. Just to round off this, a few people have sent us questions that I think are probably not intended to be that serious, but it's worth mentioning in the context of other Premier League clubs. So Dan Welch says, when's the protest? And Patrick Sloat says, when will the fans pull a West Ham and 25,000 people bum-rush the owners owners box at (laughs) Sellerhurst? Don't laugh. Um, well, I mean, but, obviously, that's never going to happen because I don't think, despite all this and our frustrations but, with the owners, of that still not going to happen from Palace fans, is West, it? You could argue again if you're Steve Parrish or the Americans. West Ham is another model completely. They spent 165 million quid this summer, 150 million quid the summer before that on players, and they're in the bottom three. So, and they, I saw them play in the FA Cup against West Brom when they were dismal. So, you know, throwing money at the problem doesn't always guarantee that it's going to work because their owners work in a completely different model. So, you know, in a way you could, you could almost spin it as being optimistic about Palace because we are still competing even as Selji says, we've always got one hand behind his back. And I, Two I th- more injuries, Kevin, you'll be on the bench. Well, That's I, the problem. I, I, no, you know? I, I don't disagree with any of that, but the, 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 the trouble is I think most Palace fans understand the restrictions that, that Roy faces and most Steve Parrish it's still got a residual lot of residual goodwill from what he did for the club back in 2010. So that's why a lot of the anger gets directed at the faceless Americans and, and why people want explanations. But also, unfortunately, a lot of the, the anger will get thrown at Roy because if you've just left the game after 90 minutes of more disappointment... You're in, you shout at the bloke who you think's caused it. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I was serious about that athletic athletic article on the owners. If yeah. Dom and the people couldn't, uh, I genuinely yeah, yeah, think no, that'd no, be very interesting. It's more just I think that'd be very interesting. I well, think people I think would... in, in in America, if the athletic were to approach them, they would probably speak to the American athletic. I think without a doubt. That's what. So. Yeah, that's what I yeah. was alluding yeah, to. Yeah. But yeah, well, and I, think, anyway. I think they do. They do speak publicly, from what I gather, about their own. Sides there, and they're 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 seen at the games, and they're around it, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I I guess that it just doesn't. All of it at the moment just doesn't add up, really. Yeah. And I, I, I'd urge anyone who's unhappy or or feels that they want to protest is not to not to protest in a, in a fashion where. Uh, you know, West Ham fans run on the pitch and pull the corner flag out and get frustrated with the owners. I think, you know, the team needs every little bit of backing that it can get right now yeah. and, the, and the manager. Um, unfortunately, I don't know where Dougie Freeman lives, so I've got, <laughs> I've got a garage full of flares, but I know where, know where to throw them. OK. Uh, uh, Street, you know, the answer to all no. these things, but he'll never tell us. Mm. Well, because he's one of the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know he knows. Let's <laughs> move on. Uh, I need to ask you a question at some point. Would you like a question about <laughs> Palace being relegated or Roy's future? Which what can you answer? 
<laughs> or none. Oh, so they said, <laughs> depends what the question is. Okay, well, the one about Roy is, says, would you slash could you blame Roy if he were to walk out? Right. Can, you, can you answer that? Uh, can you I could find a way answer it in that? general terms and find a way around it. All right, because I want to I want to talk about that more than relegation because yeah. we'll touch on relegation a bit, but I really, Roy's too, the Roy is more important. Roy, I don't. Roy is from a generation that I don't think would do that. Or do you want a question saying if Roy writes a chapter on his time at Palace, what would be his honest critique, positive or not? He'd do it in Russian. Good. So oh, we, I'll ask you that then. Okay, I'll ask you. I'll ask you the first. I'll tell you one thing, JD. That that stuff they were talking about on the radio earlier. Danny Murphy said it's very out of character for Roy to speak up in mm. such a fashion. He said he's not a moaner. Well, save, save, yeah. save this for okay. this. Oh, oh. That's good. Okay. Right, moving on then. We've got some questions about Roy. And as we said, right at the top of the pod, there are those odds dropped on him leaving. We don't, I don't think he will, but people are concerned. So, James... Oh, I should have read this beforehand. Noznichita. Hi, James. Just I've got James. that wrong. I'm so sorry. Hi, James. Says, spell, uh, spell that. See how gladly wrong you've got it. N-O-S... N I H C T U H. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Just call um, him Jim. Says J J N. Would you slash could you blame Roy if he were to walk out? That's not something we expect to happen, is it? I can't. Well, managers very rarely resign because it's not really worth their financial while, mm. and managers quite often leave at the end of their contracts. But that's not really walking out, is it? That's mm. no longer being under contract. Of which Roy's is up in the summer, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Roy, yes. And also, I think Roy's of a generation that wouldn't expect to be seen to walk away from a challenge. But I, I, my opinion, and it is only the opinion, is that the end of his contract will be the end of his managerial career at Palace. I think he. He's to me. I mean, I know he's never the cheerleader. You could never mistake him for Selzy back in the day, even when things were going well. He's Have you been listening to Selzy today? Not, no, today. Oh, back in the day, right? Back okay. in the day. But he, he, you know, at the moment, he looks like a man with the weight of the world on his shoulders. And is that it, me or Roy? Roy. I mean, you could argue. In, in, you know, putting my ex-human resources manager hat on, you could argue in another job that'd be constructive dismissal because he's not being given. The tools to manage essentially. So if he were to walk away, he could he could give that as a as a real. I, I don't think he will he will do that. But yeah, you have to bear in mind that he's he's, he's getting older. And why would you, at his age? Why would you want to put up with this every day? Why would you want to put up with being ignored when you make basic requests for players? Uh, I mean, Selzy, would you could you blame him if he well, did walk? Well, I, I said earlier that you know I could imagine that he'd keep Palace up and. If I was in his shoes, I might tell him to stick it where the sun don't shine at that point. Swindon. But, but <laughs> yeah, but the, you know, on the way here, I was sort of referring to that, that stuff on the radio with Danny Murphy and Clinton, and Danny Murphy said it's completely out of character for Roy to complain. He said he got a rough deal at Liverpool. He had no money to spend. He couldn't change anything. He said he, he got players in at Fulham, but it was tough for him. He said he really had to push hard to get... Andy Johnson in, he doesn't complain, he's not the sort that would walk away and moan, it's not his style, he gets on with what he's got and he's not a moaner as he as he said, but I I feel a great deal of sympathy for the bloke because you know, I think I got criticised for something I said last week on the pod by one listener, he tends to like to criticise me quite a lot, this particular fellow. And I stand I really, by it. <laughs> it wasn't you. You were too busy changing nappies or doing something else, being the modern man that you are. Um, 
the, uh, <laughs> like that you say the, that pejoratively. <laughs> yeah. um, Looking after your own child. You found me off course now. What was I saying before that? I remember. Oh, this was, fella, yeah, and he said I was being selective about the periods that I quoted Roy's success in. But last season, we were creating lots and lots of chances. We couldn't score goals. And bringing back Schwai in, we were the third best team from February the 1st to the end of the season in the Premier League. And he thought that was outrageous that I used that as a spell. But the point I'm trying to make is the bloke is obviously capable of doing things and doing things a way that perhaps is different from how he's doing it exactly now. But what he is, is he's very smart and very wise and he knows that in order for us to survive, we're not going to be able to play open, expansive football all the time because Mm. we are not good enough and we haven't got a big enough threat. And the worry is, again, in all that, is we're seven years into the Premier League now you know, we've had really good squads over a couple of seasons before he's come. And now, you know, I would say it's quite a lot weaker than it's been for some time. So why are we why are we ending up? We should be getting stronger season on season and building on what we've done. We you know, I was really that. excited at the end of last season. I thought the way we finished, I thought a couple of players in the summer, and we might actually, we don't need too much, you know, a couple of players. And we could really, really kick on and go again, you know, with that, with that period with Batshuayi there and so on. And instead, I find myself on the first day of the season saying to you, if we finish fourth and bottom with this, I'll be over the moon. We've had this conversation every season since we got promoted. Every season. This will, hopefully the next season will be the one that we kick on. We've had it But we, we haven't now. had a go. You know, we've bought well, Benteke, we've bought, we've bought Sacco. But again, this is sort of commented by some of the fans saying, oh, we're still paying for this. All the clubs buy £25 million pound players now. Sheffield, when Sheffield United, you know, said, I think signed Sander Bird for 20 odd, 22, 22 million last 22. week and a couple of others and so on. It's not exclusive to us again. You know, it's not, that's the going rate. That's normal. That's what happens now. You know, it's it's not that we're expecting... I'm not expecting us to go and sign ten hundred million pound footballers. I think everybody accepts that. But to sell a player for 50 million and spend... Minus 30-odd million in Roy's tenure and expect everyone, expect him to move the thing forward and do well. He's doing an incredible job to keep us in the league. All right, well, look, Kevin, on Roy, we've got a question from one of our patrons, Carl Cressy. Hello, Carl. Hello, Carl. He says, um, for the, uh, if Roy writes a chapter on his time at Palace, what would be his honest critique, positive or not? Well, I don't know. He'd write it in Russian, I imagine. Um, he def- <laughs> definitely would. Um, I, looking back on it, if if he were to leave this season and we and we start, we finish in twelfth, he would. I think most Palace fans would say actually a lot of the football wasn't exciting to watch, but we were a competent mid-table Premier League team, and Roy made us that. I mean, it it, it will be hindsight with which he's judged, and I I would imagine he's had more good times than bad. Really, we've had some very good results. We've we have bought a couple of decent players in, but I I think. Much as he's a Palace fan and he's a local boy, I think he'll always think of Fulham and and his time abroad as more constructive and productive for him. I mean, he's basically he's been firefighting for the entire career here. But yeah, we'll, we'll never forget the extraordinary job he did keeping us up that first. I was going to say we lost the in. first seven games. Yeah. We stayed yeah. up the second year. He got our highest points, points hold ever yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. With one hand tied behind his back. Yeah. Now we've chopped one of his legs off and tied one of his hands yeah. behind his back. 
And, and the bloke's still trying to do his best to keep us there. But um, and also, let's not forget that, that when Roy came in, it was off the back of what we've, you know, we all demanded ambition from the club. And Frank De Boer was nothing if not ambitious. And that failed spectacularly. So again, it's like West Ham. Be careful what you wish for sometimes because, you know, even if Harrison Blitzer would suddenly say, I'll tell you what, we'll put $100 million, that's not going to guarantee you anything more than 12th next season anyway. So it's... Yeah, I think he's I think well, he's done a fantastic job given well, the circumstances. I think, I think and the context. That, JD, you'll get called a parrot and stuff like I had. Even it came to the point last week that in one of my birthday cards, age fifty, last Monday, even my own brother wrote Hodgson fanboy in brackets <laughs> after, after something he'd obviously read on the BBS that someone had said about me. I've uh, got to say I, to you, for me. And people say to me, you know, uh, uh, there was some criticism again after Saturday's pod saying because we, uh, i.e. us two and Rob, were all in agreement that Roy is the right man for the job. And the question I'd ask, and I've, I've thrown this to his critics that have been on at me over the weekend, tell me who's better, who's available right now, who's going to keep Crystal Palace in the Premier League with... What is a very unbalanced squad? I'm not going to say to you it's full of bad players because that's not fair. Wilfred's tremendous. Mamadou Sacco, you know, we, we've Luca. We've got some very, very, very good players in our squad. Unfortunately, we haven't got enough of them, and we haven't got enough competition, and that's where the problem lies. Well, also, somebody needs to remind Luca that he is a good player because he ain't playing like one at the moment. <sighs> no. Well, we'll talk about Luca another time. I, with Roy, I worry. That if such when he does eventually go, we will realise just how good he was. I mean, I already do, I think, but I, I think it'll be it, it could be very risky. And then, as you say, the next move is very difficult. And we had two people who sent us questions about that. Matt Paul IG has basically said who comes in, and J K E L T G V says Popper. Sounds like the initials of one of Street's kids there, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't think about 18 names there. There's <laughs> Popper as manager for the championship next year. I think that's probably yeah. talking to any, any Palace fans listening, I wouldn't worry because we know enough about our club to know that there will be a succession strategy in place already. There'll have been enough forward thinking. They'll be working out who the manager after the next manager is. Kev, the, you, 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 can't, you can't look that far ahead because you never know when it's coming. No, but, I think so Kevin's alluding to the fact that it'll be Dougie Freeman. I was, no, I, was, I wasn't. I was alluding to the fact there is no plans. I'm being ironic because we, we know from experience that there is no... We will lurch from one... It, even I don't buy into the conspiracy... I'm not a big fan of conspiracy theories. I, I do think man walked on the moon. I do think JFK was killed by a lone lunatic and thing, but I, I don't... Even I don't believe that Doogie Freeman... It's the quote of the pod. I don't, even, uh, even I don't believe the theory that Doogie Freeman is deliberately driving the club into the ground so Roy leaves and he takes over as manager. Right. Well, I mean, I've said to you before numerous times, and one of the things that drives me insane, and I'm pretty sure it applies to every football club's following, but obviously we concentrate on our own uh, our own club, is they all want what they haven't got. Mm. You know, oh, we need Max Meyer in midfield. He plays. No, he's terrible. Don't waste our time. Oh, Roy's got to go. Who are you going to replace him with? Well, one of the suggestions that came last night was David Wagner. He's a forward-thinking manager. Yeah, he managed to think so far forward, he got Huddersfield into the championship by half a season last year. I mean, because that's obviously just what we need. But this was I my mean, point. I mean, these people so are just emotional, oh, yeah. and they talk nonsense. But this you is know. my point. The grass isn't always greener. And well, when Roy does go, I hope that it is the right person, and I worry that it might not be. And just on the popper thing... You know why thing, the grass is always greener on the other side, don't you, JD? No, 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 no,
BBS this week. <laughs> I'm not going to Celtic's garden. Um, <laughs> I haven't got one. On the popper. Anyone would think he was a comedian. Well, that's, that's JD's the... comic thing yeah. for 2020. <laughs> I, I might as well quit there. I haven't, right. I haven't got a garden, and you'll be ashamed to know that Arnold, know Arnold, Arnold gets walked in Millwall Park, of all places. Oh, so. Listen, on the popper thing that JKELT or whatever has said, um, there is an exclusive interview with uh, Tony Popovich in this issue, 54 of FYP, that's just sold out, but online copies are available for £1 at fypfanzine.uk forward slash shop. Really quickly, because I've just seen the time, we're overrunning, and I've got to go home. I was going to make an interesting point. Oh, okay. Sorry. Right. Jay is here to record a podcast, but don't let it interrupt his life. Well, no, I, was, I was just thinking of no, everyone's fa- favourite. They, they cost 150 quid a minute. Street <laughs> yeah. is interesting. Has well, it's been here for an hour now. That's 475. Well, the bill's just trailed by you to interrupt me, to be perfectly honest with you. Four, seven, five, well, you know I'm on the clock. Is, you don't yeah. want to be sending me off on a tangent for goodness he's sake. He's not working. Right, he's a modern it. man. He's on paternity The athletic don't give us this much money. So, yeah. Well, uh, looking at our, everyone's favourite club down the M23, obviously there was uh, a lot of expectation from their fans at replacing Hewton, who was seen as being mm. pretty defensive dour yeah. um, and replacing him with Potton. Some of the football has been very good, but they find themselves in a pretty precarious position, yeah. very, very close to uh, the bottom three now. I think the only point I want to make in relation to that is not necessarily the point on the grass being greener, but just that these things are incredibly difficult to get correct. And so much as people might think that there's always an easy solution to sacking your manager because you don't like the current one or bringing in a new player because you feel that there's something missing and there'll be a silver bullet in a specific player you might have on the bench, it's not always that easy. Well, also West Ham sacked Pellegrini. Moyes wasn't their first choice. They sacked Pellegrini. They end up re-signing a man and Match the Day brilliantly reads out the statement that they put out a year ago when he sacked him saying David Moyes has taken this club as far as he can go we we wish him (laughs) best wishes in the future so the, you know, and then he wins his first game and now they're in the bottom three so it's not always a solution like you say if you look at the stats as well it very rarely works that you sack a manager with ten weeks to go and bring someone in and you suddenly care all the stuff I read is we've won three games in 18 or whatever it is We've barely been able to put a team out for most of them, let's yeah. be honest. Three and 17. And if you've got mm. no squad, he was already two players light of a full squad. And then he's had all those injuries as well. Well, you know, the bloke's not a miracle worker. He's, he's trying to structure the best he's got with what he's got at his disposal. People say that about JD quite a lot. He's two, two players <laughs> short of a full squad. <laughs> Not a miracle. <laughs> right, um, final question then. I'm going to put this to Andy, and it's from Tony Peters, but we've had multiple people. Hi, Tony. Hi, oh, Tony. Hello. M. Drew Lee is an at 50p head leaf. Yeah. I just think it's uh, Leaf yeah. Anderson's forehead. They're all worried about relegation. So Tony has said, are we staying up? Please try and reassure me. The run-in looks brutal and I can't see where the okay. mythical 40 points are coming from. Are you worried? Well, well one, you don't need 40 points. Yeah. That's well, pretty much it. No, 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 you, right, you won't. Audience, you won't. But you think that everyone at the bottom suddenly going to start averaging well, 1.8 points so a game? They're not so far behind, are they? Well, they're not so far behind, but the entire league's compressed. It's not exactly. No that means, that, means, left that means you need seven or eight teams underneath you to, to overperform you on points per game in the remaining games, which I think is pretty improbable, frankly. Mm. Uh, so I'm, not, I, I'm pretty relaxed. Also, actually, I, I, this this seems to be circulating that we've got a brutal run. Remember this time last year, we had st- still had six of the top six to play, which was worrying. We've got Liverpool away, and that's it. We've got Man United, Chelsea, and Arsenal to play, but the rest of the teams and the, we, Leicester. We, we know, yeah, but we know what's at this season that no one's 
outside Liverpool, everyone's beating everybody else. So it's not, you know. Yeah, no, we, it's, it's certainly not. It's not as 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 bad as um, no, it, it has been. Uh, in, the frustration, we've got, Kev, we've comes back Bournemouth. to yeah. if we bought a few players, he would be looking up rather than down, wouldn't we? Instead, so we we're looking yeah. anxiously over our shoulder. Thirty-six is generally sufficient to start. And I, yeah. I dare say it will be. This season, to get to that point, Palace need to average ever so slightly over a point a game, which, which is done, eminently which possible, yeah. and we've, done, we've so done so far. In yeah, Kevin, so. And it will come in Kevin's singles. And if we don't and do that, well, then obviously something yeah. has gone drastically also, wrong. we haven't got to the stage yet where I produce my scrap of paper with the <laughs> remaining fixtures for every club. So how, far, how far off are we? I'm clearly sub, more subconsciously relaxed than normally. It's normally March by that time. Okay, Ten right. games to go normally. Okay, good. But we will pick up, we'll pick up points here and there. We will, absolutely. It's just we're all feeling really downbeat and negative at the moment because we've had a you know it wasn't that long ago since we've said well we were the, we were the third best team of 2019 well guys so we've got um, a chance this weekend for Palace to raise our mood away at Everton no, we um, won't, no, we'll but said, anyway we, said will, what I just said, we'll lose we will preview that game <laughs> briefly after the break thank you for your questions there's some really good ones sorry we couldn't get to them but uh, after break we're going to preview Palace's trip to Goodison Park Welcome back to the Hobby Fan Podcast. Pod Pod 3.20 and we're previewing Palace's trip to Goodison Park at the weekend. And this is normally where I would ask you guys who's going to play, any changes, what we're going to do. But we've probably got the bare 15 players, haven't we, Selzy? So I can't imagine there'll be many changes. Well, I don't think we're going to have anybody back that wasn't so slap uh, Sacco, no. And Tosin couldn't have played anyway. So we're going to have the same group of players whether providing no one else is injured of course because if we've got anyone else injured then I might need to take my boots with me but the uh, can we get can we recall we it depends on the contract can we recall Wickham from the loan oh, I don't suppose I, I meant to say <laughs> that when you asked that, that question earlier Roy it seems was okay with that on the on a sort of longer term basis because the quotes he gave this morning were to say I want Connor Wickham pretty much to come back next season in good shape. He said if I've got AU Benteki and Tosin, he's not going to play that much sure. and therefore I thought it was more beneficial for him to go and play every week at Sheffield Wednesday and hopefully come back fit and see the bloke that I thought was there. I still think it was not the right thing to do for the club's circumstance but he's taken a sort of long-term view on that kind of thing so I mean Kev, that were his, those few, were his reasons anyway a few years ago our record at Goodison Park was quite good but the last couple of seasons it's not it's been disappointing isn't it yeah it has and the, the, the performance at Goodison Park last season was one of those really really flat ones at a period when Roy we were having the same discussions about Roy funnily enough it's always twelve. I hate twelve thirty kickoffs. There's always the atmosphere is always going to be flat. Everton had a good win at Watford, but off the back of a poor performance. So they again, Ancelotti hasn't come in and suddenly turned them into into world beaters. But they've got a better squad than us, a bigger squad than us. Got more options up front. So I I would absolutely snap your hand off now if you offered us a point. To be perfectly frank, yeah, yeah those singles. Point. Yeah, well that's that was going to come in at the point. Andy Street, your prediction for. Saturday. I think we're going to draw. Okay, yeah, I, I mean, we'd take a draw, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Got to get up early Saturday, didn't we? Are you coming? No, but oh, I was going to oh, say good. that you and Rob will be there, oh, well, so there okay. will be a post-match podcast. Some ridiculous nine o'clock or eight o'clock train or something, is it, on Saturday? Are you going to make it on time for this one, Adam? 
I haven't missed a single game in seven seasons, Street. Fart <laughs> down. Nice of you to even watch it on the telly. <laughs> anyway, well, listen, lads, thank you very much. This has been um, almost quite a cathartic pod in a way, hasn't it? Lots to cover. Yeah. And do we? Do you feel any more positive, Selzy, or than mm. you? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling sorry for Roy. I think he's got to do the best he can, and we've just got to try and eke it out and scrap out what we can. Which, after seven years of being in the Premier League, it shouldn't really be like this. Not that anyone's entitled, but the only reason we are going to scrap it out instead of looking up the table and thinking we could have easily got our best ever finish in the Premier League given the first half of the season and what he's done with limited resources giving him a hand with a couple more would leave me feeling very positive instead I am anxiously looking over my shoulder hoping that this bloke is good enough to guide us through some stormy waters but if he's not I think there'll be a lot of questions asked at the end of the season and let's hope we're not asking those questions so no no. <laughs> yes, I think that's probably the answer. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I live here. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Andy Street, welcome back. Thank you. We'll see you again in about what, two years. Maybe. Him, yeah, yeah, gets him in. Yeah, this is like Andy Street ninja pod appearance. He just, just suddenly appears, comes in for a Didn't few minutes. Didn't even tell us. Just, just turn no, up. Just turn yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's just my, my way. Make good. Own, well, good to have you back. We would love to have you back more often. Um, and Selzy, thank you for just being Selzy. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I was, I was, and, and Arnold, Arnold has been very well behaved. He well has. behaved at this stage, yes. He has indeed. Thank you very much for listening. The post-match pod is available by patron.com forward slash FIP podcast of the weekend. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.